covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I've got you for the next uh, little while as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. As always, if you ever want to interact uh, with me, I encourage you to do so uh, on Twitter. You can tweet at me. You can follow me at Matt Pauley Radio. That's M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. we got a lot on the program today. Uh, our featured guest today, we are going to be joined uh, once again by uh, Jim Goulart. He is the uh, head minor league guy, does the link report over at BrewerFan.net. And we're also going to be joined by the broadcaster, of the AA Biloxi Shuckers, Chris Harris is going to join us later on in the program as well when we go down on the farm. What a difference a week can make. Last week when we were doing the show, we were doing our best to try to stay positive about things, but we were looking at some of the negative aspects of the start of the season. The fact that uh, the team was having some struggles making plays in the field, the hitting with runners in scoring position, uh, some pitching issues as well. Well, here we sit a week later, and as we record this on Sunday night, the Brewers are a game above 500. They've been a game above 500 on two separate occasions. Amazingly enough, uh, when they first got to above 500 after that game two win against Cincinnati, uh, that was the first time they had been above 500 since the final game of the 2014 season. But they hit the road, and they have been very good on the road. They sweep a two-game series at Toronto, and then they take three out of four at Cincinnati, and they will uh, finish out with three games at Chicago starting on Monday before they return home for a pretty extended homestand. They're welcoming in uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Atlanta Braves from April 20th all the way to uh, the end of the month on April 30th. If uh, you do not know, if you're uh, joining uh, us and you're not uh, familiar with uh, what I do during the course of uh, the normal week with the Brewers, I host the post-game show on WTMJ, which, by the way, has the exact same name as this program, Brewers Extra Innings. That's why we throw in the comma and the podcast here on this edition of it. But after wins, when the team is on the road, we are generally joined by a Milwaukee Brewer. And we are going to play some snippets of some of the interviews uh, from the last week. And uh, one of the things about this team is they've been able to win close games. When you look at, you know, they again, the one win they had against the Cubs at home, it was an 11 inning, one run win. The two games against Toronto, they went 4 3 and 2 0. Uh, the win on Sunday against Cincinnati was a two run win, 4 2. So they've shown the ability to win some close games, which quite honestly was something they struggled with at times last year. And uh, Domingo Santana, the Brewers right fielder, uh, joined me recently and explained why the team is winning close games. I give a lot of credit to our pitching staff. You know, um, they've been doing a lot of really good things in the mound. So um, I think uh, it's because of them, you know, and we, we've been um, really good getting some runs early. You know, so that's that's re- that's a really good help for us. One of the better stories on this team so far is Manny Pena. He makes the team as a catcher, 
kind of began the season. I don't think anybody would use the word starting and backup catcher, but he began the season and Jet Bandy was getting more time than than Manny Pena. That has started to change recently, and it's because he's done a fine job defensively and he's killing it at the plate where through the action on Sunday he was hitting 462. A great story. This is the first time he has made an opening day roster in his uh, baseball career. And when I got the chance to talk to him recently, he really talked about just how excited he was to be part of this Brewers team. That means a lot. That means the old sacrifice I do in the minor league. So that means everything for me and in my career. So, you know, everybody want to play in big league when you are in the minor league. So now I'm here. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy when we win, working hard every day. So I won't make it the playoff here. We mentioned the offense and what he's able to do at the plate, but as we continued that conversation, he says he's happy with his offense, but he is much more worried about what he does when he's down in the crouch uh, serving as the catcher. It's good, man. I feel really good. I saw the ball really well. So but the bigger piece, like you said, my defense, I need to, I need to stay focused. I don't know, but sometimes you hit it like, like uh, 0 for 3 with three strikeouts, so you don't have to lose your mind when you're catching. So you got to stay stay good with, with your good communication with your pitcher. Eric Thames has been incredible so far. And it's, it's so early in the season, and you don't know what's going to happen with someone. But he, is, he just became the first visiting player in the history of Great American Ballpark to hit five home runs in a series. I mean, this guy is doing incredible stuff right now. And you know that at some point in time, the league's going to adjust to him, and he's going to have to make adjustments, and he's going to go through slumps. And all of what I just said is true, but it's so much fun to watch what he's doing right now. We're through action on Sunday. He's hitting 368 with six home runs and 11 RBIs. He is just playing so well. And I got the chance to talk with him uh, this past week. And we just talked about the fact that uh, the team all of a sudden really started playing better as they hit the road. Baseball's a crazy sport, you know. It's all about, you know, riding the waves. And, uh, and you know, like we had a rough series against Colorado and another rough one against Chicago. So we hit the road and kind of the team started to um, play a little more, you know, be a little cohesive, you know, like, you know, play better defense. Pitching was tremendous, you know, start hitting, start stringing hits together, not, not just a double. And then the guy next up tries to hit a two-run home run, but actually, you know, see, see the pitch in the zone, play a quality swing down and drive it in the gap. And it's like we're doing a good job of doing that, so we have to keep on carrying that over. You know, we give all those numbers, those gaudy numbers that he's putting up. Despite that, he says he's not yet where he wants to be at the plate. I will say I'm not comfortable at all just because, you know, like you know, studying these pitchers on video means means nothing. You know, okay, like so what I know a guy throws a curveball and a cutter and a changeup, but it's like actually being in the box to see how it moves, you know, um, how, how he trusts it. Does he like to go back door, front door, is it a chase pitch? Stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn. You know, I, in spring training, every at-bat was was difficult because, you know, I, I didn't want to go up there and ambush and swing for his pitch and fly out. You know, I want to actually see how the ball moves because I'll see this guy in July or, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm just trying to, you know, kind of have like a little data log in my head to see how guys look. Like like the Reds, we'll see them, you know, 18 times this year, you know. So I'm just trying to like log it and then, you know, at least compete at the dish, you know. Like if a guy's on base, you know, I'm tr- trying to get him over. I'm trying to get him in. I'm trying to, you know, have good at-bats, play good defense, you know, whatever I can do to help the team win. If you ask manager Craig Council about Eric Thames, the thing he always seems to talk about first is – 
his level of competitiveness at the plate, how he goes into every single at bat and it's a battle and uh, Thames takes it so seriously. I asked him about the approach that he takes when he's at the plate. Steve Springer, he was um, he was like one of the coaches with the Blue Jays, and he has a couple of like mental mental baseball books. But he'd always say it's like you know you have to want every at bat, you know, because you have to grind every at bat. Because when you've got 400, 500, 600 at bats a year, it's like how many of those at bats have you thrown away, you know? Because like every player does it, you know. But the great players have like the fewest. You know, like at bats, you go up there, get get three straight sliders, you swing at all three, and that's a strikeout. You know, but it's like the greats, you know, the Hall of Famers and like the Jeters and those guys. They, every pitch is a grind. They're trying to get that pitch to hit, and you know, it's tough. This is the big leagues. I mean, guys don't hang pitches very often. So when you get a pitch, you have to hit it, and then if you foul it off, you have to keep grinding up there. You know, because you never know. A guy, a guy can throw a two seamer in, you hit off your fist, and it's a bleeder into the outfield for a hit and RBI. You know, so. Every bat, you have to kind of make it up in your mind to grind it out, you know, to fight, you know. So that's what I try to do. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying, you know. (laughs) Willie Peralta has had a fantastic start to the season. He uh, wins again on Sunday against Cincinnati, going six innings, allowing two runs on three hits. He is now 3-0 this year with an ERA at 2.65. This is a year after he just had a horrendous start to the year, so bad that he got dispatched down to AAA where he had to go work on some things and fix some things. It worked. He was able to keep the momentum from last year into this year. But he told me that his goal was to uh, not have that low start the way he had last year. That's been my problem last uh, two years in a row, having slow starts. So my goal was uh, after the last season last year, and uh, uh, being able to go back home and prepare myself to have a, a good start, I think uh, being able to be in the WVC helped me a little bit more to, to uh, prepare myself a little bit quicker, and uh, I think it's painful. And really, when you look at the starting pitching right now, especially Willie Peralta, Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson, I mean, let's, here are their numbers right now. Told you Willie Peralta, he's 3-0 and with a 2.65 ERA. Chase Anderson, 1-0 and with a point. 6-9 ERA, and Jimmy Nelson is 1-0 with a 1.38 ERA. All really good numbers, and these guys are going out and putting together very good performances on a weekend, week-out, or day-in, day-out basis is really what I should say. And Peralta told me that all the starting pitchers right now, they are continuing to motivate each other. Every time you, you, you see your teammate uh, going the, the day before you and, and uh, like pitch a good game, like you always want to have a good game too. The, sometimes it not happen, but that, that's your mentality, just trying to keep the same pace that, that we've been doing, and I think we're doing great job right now. Zach Davies did take a step forward in his last start. He's not where he wants to be yet, 0-2 with an 8.79 ERA, but his last time out against Cincinnati, he goes five innings, allowing three runs on five hits with four strikeouts and one walk. If he's able to uh, really get himself back and everybody else continues to do what they've been doing, uh, this starting rotation for the Brewers will continue to be much, much, much more than formidable. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Headlines of the Week. Let's start with Ryan Braun. He hits a two-run home run in Sunday's game against Cincinnati. That gives him 945 RBIs in his career. That is notable because he passes uh, Cecil Cooper 
who had 944. Interestingly enough, Ryan Braun does it in 124 less games as Braun gets in uh, at 1366, while Cooper did it in 1,490. So Ryan Braun, number two all-time in the history of the Milwaukee Brewers organization in terms of RBIs. Number one, the Hall of Famer, Robin Yount. He's got 1,406 RBIs, so Ryan Braun's got a ways away to be able to catch him. He's uh, 461 off Yount at this point in time. But it's notable because Braun gets to 945 if he does stick with the Brewers that would mean he would probably get to a thousand RBIs in his career with the Brewers at some point this year and he'd be just the second person to hit that milestone other uh, obviously Robin Yount being the only one as of right now also some good news on Junior Guerra MLB.com reported this past week that uh, he is continuing to make uh, progress as he comes back from injury he has been able to uh, get on the treadmill treadmill a bit. Uh, he hopes to be running sooner than later. We're still probably about a month out from him uh, being able to come back on the mound, but good that he's on the treadmill. He's continuing to keep his arm strong, and uh, he is uh, he, he's just going through the rehab process. Speaking of guys going through the rehab process, Matt Garza made a start for AAA Colorado Springs on Wednesday night against Memphis. Pitches pretty well. Five innings, allowing one run on two hits with four strikeouts and two walks. And you got to think that if Garza gets healthy, pretty good chance that he would replace Tommy Malone in the starting rotation. Malone got the win, and he pitched fine his last time out, but you just get the sense that that's going to happen. The Brewers, I guess I could say they made uh, one move this past week. It was technically uh, two moves. They made two trades with the Baltimore Orioles on the same night. The first move was they acquire Oliver Drake, and uh, he is a relief pitcher. In his first appearance, he throws two innings. He had been designated for assignment by the Orioles, so the Brewers trade for him. Uh, They are going to uh, send over either Cash or a player to be named later. And then after designating him for assignment, the Brewers sent Damian Magnifico, a relief pitcher, over to Baltimore. And in exchange, they got a uh, international slot pick. So basically, it's it's money that they can spend on international players as uh, the whole system for signing international players. It, it's relatively complicated, but uh, it's another way. The thing I appreciate about these two separate moves, and I don't know how it all worked out, but they are two different moves. It wasn't that the Brewers went and traded Damian Magnifico uh, for Oliver Drake. No, they send Drake, and in exchange they're going to send a player to be named later or probably in all likelihood money. Generally, that's the way these things work. But uh, then they, in the Magnifico deal, they go get the international slot. So they didn't... They found a way to continue to help themselves going forward in the future as opposed to just going one for one. It's going to be probably a, a one for two kind of deal, uh, depending on what happens. I mean, they could always send a player to be named later, but I would just, if I was guessing, I would say in all likelihood they're going to uh, end up sending cash back Baltimore's way. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue on as it's time for our Social Media Roundtable, and we welcome uh, back onto the program. You read him uh, over at uh, brewerfan.net. He's covering 
every aspect of the minor leagues. Of course, he's very locked in on what's going on at the big league level as well. Uh, he is uh, Jim Goulart. Jim, thank you so much for taking some time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you very much. I want to start with this because I feel like when it comes to the history of the organization, there's I, I love talking to you about it. And during uh, Sunday's contest, Ryan Braun hits his home run. He gets two RBIs. He jumps over Cecil Cooper. He's now number two all-time RBIs. He's only trailing Hall of Famer Robin Yount, and he's probably not going to catch Yount. They're still... Uh, 450, 500, uh, you know, RBI difference between the two. But what does it mean for Ryan Braun to get into that number two position for uh, all-time RBIs in Brewers history? Uh, you know, it's it's really uh, obviously quite the accomplishment, and um, we're not talking about one of the storied franchises. And I, I'm not downplaying the significance of Milwaukee baseball since 1970 by saying that. But there are. Um, really iconic names, um, Cecil Cooper being one of them, and um, that maybe nationally are underrated, but certainly in the Milwaukee market and for fans like myself who happen to be out of market but really um, have followed and cherished some of the, the happenings along the way, it's, it's a big deal. And it's particularly coming so close to that uh, May 24th, 10 and 5 right to deadline and this summer's trading deadline, we really don't know what's going to happen um, in terms of Ryan's career going forward. But, yes, um, super accomplishment. I hope he's having fun with a team that um, is, at this point anyway, um, entertaining and uh, that hopefully he's enjoying um, guiding in whatever way he can, mostly by example, I realize. But uh, being on this club at this particular time, and if he's having fun, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the other guys are as well. He does it in 124 games less than Cooper did it. What What's your reaction to that? Um, part of it might be the the era, so to speak, um, a little bit offensive, more offensive minded. Um, but the fact that he's been able to be outside of his injury season is just so consistent. It's it's very similar to what to what Cooper did. Cooper didn't trail off until the very very end of his career as well. Um, Ryan has been just solid so long now in terms of everyday contributions. We know he's well-spoken. We know he says all the right things. Does it sound canned sometimes, perhaps? Um, enough so that when he does make a truly honest statement like he did about spring training uh, this year, maybe the media and the fans uh, run with it a little bit and, and have more fun with it than they should have. But, boy, oh, boy, if, if he's just doing type of things that he can and will can hopefully continue to do. I'm one that certainly wouldn't mind seeing it in a Milwaukee Brewer uniform, but I also know that the strength of the farm system right now um, is in the corner outfield spots, and uh, this isn't the American League, so there are decisions to be made, and I think it's just going to be a fascinating time for all Brewer fans, and particularly Ryan Braun fans, to see what happens if not this year, then, then beyond. All right, last thing on Braun before we move on. So he's sitting at 945 RBIs. Baseball is a sport of numbers and milestones. He could, if he sticks around, he will become the second player all-time to have 1,000-plus RBIs for, for the organization. Does that 
as as there's always that trade cloud around him, does the fact that you know if he's around for for the rest of the year, he probably gets to a thousand RBIs in his career. Does that uh, do, do you think that factors into anything, or, do, or should fans be excited about the possibility of getting to that one thousand RBI mark for him? I'm not sure. The one thousand RBI mark is something that there's this grand countdown. I'm, I'm sure there will be, but I'm not sure it necessarily is one of those numbers that fans can truly wrap their minds around because he's still 33 now. Um, that number is going to extrapolate quite a bit more, uh, whether it's in a Brewer uniform or otherwise, going forward. It's an awesome accomplishment. I'm, I'm glad that he is bridging the gap from the fielder, heart, hardy, weeks, years, into what could possibly be the group that could surround him in his, in his later years. And that would be a truly nice little um, you know, segue into uh, what could be a, a lifelong Brewer career. Now, that's, that's how it happens. Uh, seeing him in the postseason again in a Brewer uniform certainly pleases a lot of the fan base. And um, I, I think he, he's, he's appreciated by Brewer fans, certainly. Um, entertainment value... Um, and what he's what he's done on the field, you know, there'll, there'll always be a little something from a few years ago. We don't need to go into that to great detail, but um, certainly in this Brewer market, uh, he's appreciated, and he's a big part of why fans still uh, Miller Park. Right now, uh, the Brewers uh, were recording this on Sunday night uh, following their win against the Reds, which was a 4-2 win. So as we speak at the moment, they're a game over 500 at 7-6. and six. They got a game over 500 two games ago at 6-5, and five, and it was the first time they'd been over 500 since the final game of the, of the 2014 season. A little bit of a slow start on the homestand, but they are just rolling on the road. Uh, from a from a big-picture standpoint, what has jumped out at you about the way this team has started the season here in the first couple weeks? I'm just real excited that, well, certainly with the, who would have thought we would have been having the conversation that the big three of the pitching staff in the first you know, two weeks of the 2017 season would be Willie Peralta, uh, Chase Anderson, and, uh, oh my goodness, please help me out here with... Uh, uh, Jimmy Nelson. Oh, Jimmy Nelson, of course. Thank you. Um, just so solid. I'll be honest with you. Today, um, as you just indicated, we're, we're, we're recording on Sunday, so today was a family day for me, and I says, well, let me, let me check in. And, and with the matchup that the Brewers had, um, with Peralta facing this Reds team, he, he's really done well against the Reds again in his career. And then I kind of just knew what I was going to see when I first pulled up the MLB app. And sure enough, I think it was the seventh inning at the time. It was a 3-2 game. And um, just looking at the numbers, going, okay, this is about how I thought today was going to go, and just trying to check in the rest of the way. It's a, it, this is wonderful. It doesn't hurt that uh, the Brewers are currently ahead of the, the Cubs, who look like they might not win 130 games this year, despite national predictions. And uh, there's a team dragging around the bottom of the division as well that um, their fan base is probably miserable right now in, in St. Louis Red. So it's certainly a good time. I think that series in Toronto, that little two-game sweep, was so big because, as you noted, a 2-5 and five home stand to start the season. Um, we remember very vividly uh, 2015 
and the Ron Renicky start with a veteran club, and it just made for a miserable May and June, and just not a pleasant situation. So to have some excitement on the ball field, and um, just something to look forward to every day. I mean, this is a, a, a number of issues that I'll, I'll touch on here in a second. It's it's what can you complain about at this point, other than you know a few fielding mistakes during that two and five start that. Uh, Cost a couple of games. It's it's so easy in the first couple weeks of the season to become a prisoner of the moment and a 162 game baseball season. You have to be able to take a step back. But Eric Thames had just put together one of the best series you'll you'll ever see. He hits five home runs over the four game series at Great American Ballpark. He is just the second player to ever do that, and he's the first opposing player to ever do that. Aaron Boone did it back in uh, 2003 for the Reds. I mean, Thames five home runs. Four Four days, Great American Ballpark. He's now tied, last time I checked, for the National League lead in home runs. Uh, we could talk about a lot of moves that have been made, but, man, so far through the first couple weeks, this Thames move looks to be uh, quite the move for David Stearns and company. Isn't it fun? Isn't it just the best? And let me tell you this. Eric Thames is gold for you folks in the media and for the beat guys, um, just the other day I tried to highlight to, to Brewer fans on Twitter, uh, I think it was uh, Friday night, you touched base with Eric as part of your um, extra innings um, duties, with what was a relatively brief, um, and he even mentioned sweaty interview after the game, <laughs> and, and he provided, just in that little four or five minutes, such Great insights when he could have just blown it off as a cup, you know, as a, as a little post game chatter or something. But he really gave you some, some fascinating insights into um, what he was trying to do in spring training, what he was, what's he currently doing in left handed pitchers. pitchers. Um, if the National League office hasn't already chiseled Eric Thames' name on the National League Comeback Player of the Year award, um, they're wasting the time because uh, this. It's been so much fun, and obviously you can't keep up this pace. But look at all of a sudden, now, now I'm truly getting ahead of myself and putting too much into two weeks' notice, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I've already got four Brewers in the All-Star game here. You know, a couple of these pitchers, if they're able to keep up the pace that they're on, and I think it would be just such a blast on Eric Thames, and he is such bold that he is going to be on a national um a national focus, I think, in more and more articles. And if I can just go on for a second here, I just think that highlights what confidence I have right now in David Stearns and this whole organization. And if there's one thing that I think both the casual and the diehard fan can grab onto right now in a big-picture way is it started with the, 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 the Duck Melvin moves that he made, which are, I think, underrated sometimes to kicking, th- kicking things off. But whether it's the thinking outside the box and things like the Thames move, or even what David Stearns is doing with that 39th, 40th man on the 40-man roster and the 25th man um, on the active roster, there might be some quibbling with all the shuffling he's doing on there, but everything seems to have a purpose. And then in the bigger picture within the organization, the professional scouting staff, which not a lot of folks know about, but these are the guys especially during the rebuild, who are going out and identifying the young trade targets, whether it's the lower or higher levels of the AAA. These are the guys who are identifying 
the waiver claims. And this is what they've been up to in terms of the acquisitions. Manny Pena, I mean, let's talk about him for a second. Yes, there's a young player that they acquired as kind of a lottery ticket in the, in the K-Rod deal, but it was somebody in the organization who said, hey, look, wait a minute, at 28 years old at the time, this guy can still contribute to us. I don't know if they were expecting quite the bang for the buck that they received, but look at what he's been able to do. And it just goes down the list. The, the, the Thornburg deal looks great so far. Um, if you haven't noticed, even Brett Phillips is really picking up the pace um, with a good start at AAA these last week or so. You go on and on and on. I have just such confidence in the organization overall. Amateur scouting, professional. Um, we're, we're, on, we're in a good place as Brewer fans right now. We really are. A few days ago, Craig Council had basically alluded to the fact that the final spot in the bullpen was going to be a churn and they were just going to move through guys. And then the team goes and acquires Oliver Drake. And I get the sense that it may not quite be the churn if everybody's healthy on the back end of the bullpen now. And I say back end in the sense of the lower guy's roster number, not the seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys. But they go acquire Drake. And that's a he's only appeared in one game, but he goes, throws two innings and, and looks good. And I think that kind of goes to the point that you're making. They they looked at their roster. Player number 25, if he was in the bullpen, was, was David Goforth. And they said, you know what, we think we can get this Oliver Drake guy and we think he's better than David Goforth. It, it seems like they're always trying to improve the roster, not just 1 through 10 or 1 through 15, but literally 1 through 25. And that 25th roster spot seems just as important to them as any other roster spot. Would you agree with all that? Yeah, and, and I think they're doing the taking that the right way and looking at it in a, in a flexible manner. You're not going to always hit, but um, in a way, Jesus Aguiar was a 25th guy um, when he was picked up. The Brewers actually tried to, well, they did pick up, but then they eventually DFA'd him himself. Um, one of these 28, 29, 30-year-old pitchers, his name was, um, he went out to the Angels, I'll pick it up here in a second, but they, Luke, Hopper, I'm sorry, but they picked him up, and now he's in the Angels' bullpen. So, in other words, they identified somebody. They let him go to make room on um, on another side, but the, even that person is still now contributing elsewhere. So they're identifying talent correctly, and I just think it's something that we should always be appreciative of that they're on the hunt, even on the fringes of the roster, because those spots, as we know, can make a big difference. We are continuing to talk with uh, Jim Goulart. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at Mass Haas. That's M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. And uh, check out what he uh, does every day over at BrewerFan.net. And then he tweets out uh, a bunch of the stuff as well. You you follow the minor leagues by, on every... And by the way, Blake Parker was the name I was trying to think of who was the reliever that uh, they claimed and then lost to the Angels. Thanks for hanging with me on that one. Yeah, no problem. I knew you'd come up with it. so uh, <laughs> I couldn't come up with it off the top of my head, so uh, so good on you for that. Uh, so the, the, let's go to the minor leagues for a bit because you do follow what's going on in the minor leagues on a, on a day-in and day-out basis closer than anybody that I know of. And very, very general question for you. What has uh, what's jumped out at you here in the first week and a half, couple weeks of the minor league season? Sure. 
which jumped out at me. And again, it's a small sample size. I look forward to maybe catching up with you in another five, six weeks, and we can see where we are then. But there's nobody, well, among the top prospects, as a Brewer fan, when you sit there and look at the four full-season affiliates, there's none of them that you're looking at and going, geez, what's wrong with this guy? You know, what, a, what kind of start is he off to? Um, they're all pretty much doing what they're supposed to be doing, particularly on the pitching side. And I realize that the pitchers are usually ahead of the hitters this, at this point in the minor league season anyway. The weather hasn't been particularly bad for the AAA club or even the Timber Rattlers in, um, in Appleton. So it hasn't really been a function of the weather keeping bats down. But when you look at the pitching across the board, and again, part of this is um, the, just the faith we have in these last couple of drafts and also the identification of players to fill in even AAA and AA roster spots that have been picked up from elsewhere. But Cody Ponce, Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff, None of these guys have us scratching our heads going, what's going on, what's wrong? Corbin Burns, Marco Stiplin, they're all getting um, basically praise in one way or another, and it's only been two starts for most of them. We realize that. Nobody's off to a faulty start. And then on the hitting side, um, again, it's early. There's been some issues with um, you know the double-A club is really struggling offensively, but even players like Jake Gatewood, who was part of that big three from the draft three years ago, where they took the three high school kids, Cody Medeiros, Monty Harris, and Jake Gatewood, and you'd never write off those guys after just a couple of years. And it looks like Gatewood has made real strides in both his approach, his stance. Um, I'm sure he's feeling really confident right now. So all of a sudden you have a guy in Gatewood who maybe was more of a fringe top guy to keep an eye on as recently as six months ago, and now he's somebody that you're like, wow, okay, he's a corner infielder, right-handed bat, who could be a value, if not to the big league club in the future, as, as a potential chip to move elsewhere for needs you know, elsewhere in the, in the organization. When we go down on the farm coming up in just a few moments, we'll be joined by uh, Chris Harris, the Biloxi Shuckers broadcaster. So we'll go deep on the double-A team with him. I want to get your take on uh, you know, AAA. There's so many guys there that I think Brewers fans are excited about the possibility of them getting to Milwaukee sooner than later, namely Lewis Brinson and uh, and also Josh Hader. But there's, there's a lot of talent there. Brett Phillips has gotten off to a, a nice offensive start uh, through Sunday's action. He He's hitting 278. That's thanks in large part to a three-hit day uh, on Sunday that jumped his average from 226 to 278. But it's it's fun right now, Jim, because here we are talking about a major league team that is in the middle of a road trip against a Toronto team that's got one of the best lineups in baseball and a Cincinnati team that's been in first place. And you go five and one over the course of six games against those two teams. We'll learn more as the as the Chicago series starts on Monday. But everybody, almost everybody, is performing well at the big league level, and you've got those top level prospects there at AAA, whether it's Brinson or Hader or whoever else you want to talk about, and. They're pushing for a spot, and while we probably won't see any of those guys until after the Super 2 date, it's a, it's a good position for the organization to be in when they have to start trying to make themselves some, some tough decisions. You know, we are really rooting for, um, you know, 
okay, wait, Domingo Santana to do well, Keon Broxton to do well, but now all of a sudden we have this, <laughs> the Ryan Cordell we didn't even mention in the last couple yeah. of minutes, you know, to join Lewis Brinson and Brett Phillips, and now we see Kirk Neuenheis off to a, a one for 21 start, and we think, okay, I want to see Kirk do well too, you know, but if he doesn't, and maybe Brett Phillips is that guy because he's a left-handed bat who maybe profiles more of a fourth outfielder, but wouldn't that be exciting if all of a sudden in mid-June, um, you know, Brett is the, maybe the first one to break in because maybe they don't need that starting outfielder at the time, but somebody you could slide into the fourth spot a little more easily, and maybe Phillips is that guy. You're right. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch right now in terms of, guys that are on the fringe we don't have to reach all the way down to to a ball or, or high a and, and and dream on guys two or three years from now this is starting to come together in a point where personally i thought 2019 was the target year and and i think realistically um 2018 can be a year that um brewer fans can really get get excited about and they should be excited about this year they're, they're going to be entertained all year i have no doubt about that well, Jim, we could we could go on for for I think hours and, and talk about stuff, and, and that'd be fun. But uh, probably gonna have to call it a day uh, now for the conversation. Before I let you go, though, uh, for our listeners, and I'm sure a, a large percentage of the listeners are very familiar with you and, and what you do. But uh, take me through the the daily routine and where folks can uh, see the content that you're putting out and, and reposting and everything that you do on an everyday basis. Sure. Um... BrewerFan.net, when you, when you put that into your search engine, it brings you right to our forum. We are 99% a forum-based website, and the minor league forum in particular um, carries a variety of, of thread topics, but most interesting of note would be something we call the link report, which is basically just a collection, a gathering of information, game summaries, box score links, and now that... Um, our internet partners and other bloggers out in the Brewers webosphere do such a great job of it. We give full credit to those that we link to in terms of video and audio highlights. Um, I think all of our affiliates now are, um, Carolina is going to be doing soon, posting um, the player interviews online. So we're always just putting that in one spot. So you can come in basically... I call it, you know, breakfast, but you can always catch some stuff over the overnight. One spot, uh, spend between five and ten minutes with us, and you will have a full rundown of what happens in the Brewers minor league system that previous night. And then we set you up for the upcoming day. If the Timber Rattlers are playing a, a noontime matinee or the Carolina kid, kids are playing a one of those school day 930 games on, on the <laughs> East Coast, well, we'll let you know about that, and we provide links so you can maybe listen in in your office and at the very least uh, check in and, and get some updates that way. Jim, great stuff. I hope the next time we're talking, the Brewers are uh, are still above 500 and, and playing well. Uh, always appreciate your time and your insight. We will talk again uh, very soon. I appreciate it. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. 
Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, does continue as uh, we are very happy as we go down on the farm to be able to once again welcome in the Director of Media Relations and Broadcasting. He's the team broadcaster for uh, the AA Biloxi Shuckers. That is Chris Harris. Chris, thanks for taking some time. Uh, how are you doing today? Hey, guys, doing doing very well, and uh, always appreciate the, the opportunity. Let's uh, let's start with something that kind of cool uh, that occurred this past week. Uh, you guys were prominently featured on ESPN from a play that uh, center fielder Johnny Davis made, uh, robbing uh, Alex Blandino. Uh, can you talk about that play a little bit and how it ended up uh, being on uh, SportsCenter's uh, top ten? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was certainly a, a a big moment for for Johnny Davis and also for for our team, you know, to be you know to get into that Sports Center top ten, but then to uh, to be at the number one spot that was that was a little bit surprising, you know. I think uh, several of us were, were still hanging around when when that I think the ten o'clock edition came on, and uh, we kept watching, and we knew they had the video, and it ended up there. But but Johnny Davis is, is a name that you know a lot of Brewer fans may not know. He you know, started playing baseball very late in life, just kind of a, one of those freakish athletes. He was the fastest player, uh, according to Baseball America, in that 2013 draft. And uh, he played center field for the most part for us. And that ball, he was actually shading the gap in left center field. We had him shifted that way, and he had a really long way to get to that baseball. Time just jumped perfectly. Uh, and, and as you know, people saw, he made an unbelievable home run you know, saving catch, saved a two-run home run, and uh, kept us in that ball game. So uh, he's just a special athlete, and you know he's still learning how to uh, you know every day play the game and, and his approach to play. He's a switch hitter, natural side is the right side, uh, but he he's one of those guys you would you would take and, and go to go to battle with every single day. What were you thinking off the bat? Uh, off the bat, I, I did I wasn't sure if it was going to get out of the park. Um, I was watching Johnny running after it, and you know, once he got to the wall, he he jumped up, and uh, you know, he at the pinnacle of his jump, he you could tell, you know, had a good read at the baseball, and and he was going to catch it, and then all of a sudden, you saw, you know, his glove about a foot above, which is our eight foot wall in right center field, and um, you know, we, we had to play one replay just to go back and and check to make sure it actually did uh, go over. Uh, the wall, and he, he did grab it. But you know, for him, it was I think the second time he's robbed a home run. I think he robbed one in Wisconsin uh, as a timber rattler, and then last year he actually was number seven on Sports Center's top ten with a catch he made in Biloxi. So uh, it, it was a, it was a spectacular play. He certainly has a flair for the dramatic. From the baseball standpoint, how tough is it for a guy like him, who's maybe? from an age perspective at the right level, but still, as you mentioned, because he got started a little bit later, double A is a, that's a tough level to kind of be going through what he's going through. Am I correct in saying that? Oh, you're right. I mean, double A is kind of where you, you, you separate the men from the boys. Uh, and this league is not easy, especially, you know, the Southern league, you play five game series. Um, you know, it's a bus league. There's, there's a lot of tough travel, uh, involved. And, you know, this is where all the prospects you know, spend the most time when they're in the minor leagues. And for him, you know, he's a different, I think, player at the plate. It may not has has reflected in his numbers so far, but he seems to have a much better approach at the plate. Uh, haven't seen him much from the right side. It's been mostly from the left side. He has more power from the right side. But, you know, for him, it's it's learning on the job. And uh, the good thing is he has those wheels, which which is something you can't teach. 
The team, uh, we're recording this on Sunday night, and as we sit right now, the team has a record of 4-6. and six, Got off to a 3-0 and start, but over the course sure. of the last, what, seven games, 1-6 and six in the last seven, I think I see it as. Right. Uh, what's yep. uh, What's been going wrong here over the last week or so? Well, the team just can't string hits together. I mean, that's as simple as that. We had, in our last series with Pensacola, we were one hit twice. Uh, we were shut out twice. Um, in our game on Saturday night, uh, the, the pitching staff for Pensacola at one time well, finished the game. It was a 2-1 loss in 11 innings, retired 26 consecutive batters. That's one out away from a perfect game, basically. You go one through nine. So uh, it's a team that's really struggling offensively. Um, and, you know, it's a lineup that has some some, some good players. You know, Michael Reed's here. Uh, Mauricio Dupont has shown some flashes. Victor Roach is here. But uh, it's just been very inconsistent so far. I think the pitching's been really good. Now, we have an ERA, I think, just, just right around 2.4. Uh, but scoring runs is just really, really tough for this team right now. And, you know, credit, you know, the Reds system. The Reds have some great young pitching prospects. The Brewers got to see one of those in Sal Romano on, on Sunday. Uh, so tip of the cap to them, but this team's got to uh, got to find uh, something you know off into that that spark. Michael Reed is at Double A thanks to Brinson, Phillips, and Cordell all being the outfielders yep. at Triple A, and there just isn't room for him up there. Uh, his his numbers aren't great. We all know what he can do. We've seen him in uh, in the big right. leagues in September. How's he handling uh, the the Double A situation? Uh, I think from from the mentality attitude sign, you know, he's he's doing fine. I mean, he 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 knows his surroundings. He's comfortable here. Uh, I think at the plate, uh, he's having to adjust to this type of pitching. You know, the guys at this level have, uh, you know, some some good pitches, but they're maybe not quite as polished as what he's seen. And that's that's sometimes tough for a, for a player who's been at higher levels coming down and and playing at this level. Has a couple of home runs. Um, he's you know, leading our team with those two home runs. Uh, average, I think, just a little bit below 200 right now. He's really fine. I mean, he's been our everyday, you know, number three hitter, playing some center field, playing some right field, playing some left field. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be fine. And, and like, it's just a 10-game uh, sample size so far. And, and, and I, But he's handling it well. I think the, the biggest thing with Michael is is he came down here with, with the right attitude. And he knows, you know, at, at any point, you know, he, he, he could be even brought up to the big leagues. Taylor Youngman got the start in Milwaukee, and now he's down with you guys. They avoid Colorado Springs if they can with Youngman, and he's being stretched back out as a starter. What's uh, what's the? I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to ask it to you nonetheless. I mean, sure. what what's the end game right now with Taylor Youngman? Well, I, I think I think for him, you know, he's he's a lot more comfortable uh, here than at Colorado Springs uh, last year. You know, and, and I think for a couple of reasons, obviously. Um, you know, Colorado Springs is not the greatest place to pitch. That's the, you know, not, not the biggest secret in the world. Uh, <laughs> also, you know, he has the chance to work with, uh, with pitching coach Chris Hook, and, and those two guys uh, really, uh, really have a good connection. Uh, and I think, you know, for Taylor pitching in this league, I think he, he has a chance to have some success, um, and he knows that, that you know, he can, he can still be, brought back up to the big leagues at any time. But, yeah, they're going to try to stretch him out. He threw 45 pitches on Sunday, uh, made one mistake, gave up a two-run home run. For the, for the most part, though, he looked, he looked really good. And, and the, the 13 starts he made here last year, he was, he was solid. But I think for Taylor, you know, he's got the, he got the stuff. I mean, that curveball's one of the best pitches, I think, in the National League, at least it was in 2015. He's still got the great curveball. It's just, you know, 
basically having confidence in his stuff. I think he still has the potential of, of when he was drafted, and uh, hopefully everybody stays patient enough, and we, we hope we see uh, you know him make some, some strides here. The fact that they're stretching him out, does I don't know if he's told you anything, but does that does that indicate that if he's going to have a future at the big league level, it's going to be in the rotation and not out of the bullpen? I don't think he knows. Uh, you know, he hasn't indicated uh, what his you know immediate future at least holds. But you know, for now, it's just to, to stretch him out. They can you know throw more innings, more pitches in every outing, and uh, you know basically whatever happens happens. You know, it, I think he he very much realizes there's some guys in in AAA and Brandon Woodruff and Josh Hader, who had another great start on Sunday, that uh, are also knocking on the door, but. I think for him, he's he's trying to just keep it simple and not think too much. Um, I think that's that may have been you know one of his biggest problems is he just kind of got in his head in 2015, and, and when he's not thinking as much and he keeps things simple, and I think that's what he's trying to do is is you know he's made the statement to me many times is, is you know I'm just trying to keep uh, you know go one day at a time and from start to start and from side session to side session. We're talking with uh, Chris Harris, the broadcaster for the Brewers AA affiliate, the Biloxi Shuckers. Jorge Lopez had a shutout uh, appearance his first time out, six shutout innings, and then his uh, last time out against Pensacola, he goes six innings, giving up four runs on five hits. He's another guy who you know he can handle business uh, in that league. He's done it before, but just kind of the same question with, with him. What's sure. what's going on with him right now as he continues to, to move on, and what's got to happen with him for to, for him to take another step? Yeah, I mean, the first outing, yeah, he was he was like the the Lopez we saw it, you know, during 2015. He was the, the the most outstanding pitcher in this league, and you know, this last time out, it it was. You know, pretty much the same thing for the first three innings, and I believe it was in the fourth inning where, you know, he ran into some trouble, gave up, I think, three straight hits, and uh, things kind of snowballed on him. And you know, when he gets in trouble, it's kind of like if fans watch those uh, World Baseball Classic games, especially in that semifinal against the Netherlands. If he's not locating that fastball, he's going to get in trouble. He's got the plus curveball. He's got a solid changeup that I think's gotten even better. Uh, but if he's not locating that fastball, he's going to get in trouble. Um, I don't. You know, the fastball was, was anywhere between 90, you know, two and 96 in, in each of his first two starts. But, you know, for him, I, I think, you know, he's certainly a little more advanced as far as a starter than, than Youngman, obviously. But, um, you know, it, I think he, he has the potential to get back to the big leagues and, and, and make an impact. You know, hopefully it's, uh, hopefully it's this season. Mauricio Dubon has started every game at shortstop so far. What's been uh, your first reaction to the beginning of his uh, career in the Brewers organization? Well, it's been a it's been a uh, a ten game up and down roller coaster for, for Mauricio Dubon. Um, you know, you, you see the flashes. Um, you know, that's the thing at this level with these young players. I mean, I remember when Orlando Arcio was here and. You know, he would make a couple of plays that would just make your jaw drop, and he'd do a couple of things that you're shaking your head and thinking, man, why, why did you do that? You know, but it's part of being young, and it's part of developing, and it's, you know, why you're, why you, you know, spend time in the minor league. So for, for Dubon, I think, you know, he's made five errors in ten games. Uh, a couple of games he's made two different errors, or two errors in a game. Um, so defensively, and I think it's just slowing the game down. This is a really tough league. You know, he, he got some time in double-A last year with the Red Sox, but, uh, you know, this league is, is tough. And uh, I think 
once the game slows down a little bit more for him, uh, you know, he's going to be a lot better defensively. His at bats are going to be better. And once he gets on base, he can wreak some havoc, as he did uh, a few nights ago. He stole four bases in three innings. Two times on base, he stole second, stole third, stole it off Devin Mezzarocco, a big league catcher who's on a rehab assignment. Um, which uh, broke our club record, which, you know, we've only been around for three years, but still he, he broke it in three innings. So he's got a lot of speed. He's got some talent. It's just putting it all together, and, and it's just going to take a little bit more time. Jacob Nottingham spent the entire year, basically last year, 112 games. He's back at A this year. What was the message for him? What are the things that he's working on for him to take that next step? Yeah. Well, you know, for the, for the first 10 games, he – He's you know playing three out of every five days. We play five game series here. In the first two series, he's played three out of five. He's had two off. I think the big thing with him last year is he just wore that once the season got uh, into July and, and August. He was you know mentally, I think physically, he had just uh, just and I think the the plan this year is for him to get a little bit more rest. We have a great backup catcher in Dustin Poole, who a lot of fans got got a chance to see in spring training. Uh, you know, but, but Jacob has a good attitude and. You know, it's a little bit of a slow start offensively, but uh, behind the plate, he's been he's been outstanding. He has really handled his staff well. Uh, talked to Jorge Lopez after that start, and he you know couldn't say enough good things about Jacob Nottingham in the game that he called. That's the one thing last year as a 21 year old at this level that really I think uh, you know brought him down, especially mentally. Was was that you know at this level, you know the catcher's calling the game. Uh, you have to you have to be the uh, the guy and you know the, the quarterback on the infield. You have to handle a lot of different things. And uh, this season, I think they're kind of you know pushing the brakes a little bit. He's 22 years old. They they still have confidence that he can be a catcher at the big league level. And for Jacob, I think uh, you know just kind of like, like Dubon. I think you know some patience will be needed, but you know they obviously have a plan. Has to give him a few more days off. What's uh, as people maybe want to keep up to date with uh, what you guys have going on there? What's the best way for people to catch your broadcast, whether it's the just the radio feed or uh, the milb TV feed of it? Yeah, I, I have to brag on our, our production crew. I think our our production on milb TV is is some of the best you'll see, especially in minor league baseball. You know, that catch that, that Davis made was 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 perfect. So you know, check us out BaluxiShuckers dot com. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Biloxi Shuckers, we try to post highlights after uh, every one of our home games. And uh, obviously, when we're on the road, uh, love for you to tune into our broadcast as well. You can listen on uh, TuneIn Radio for free. Just uh, search Biloxi Shuckers and keep up with it. some of these great young prospects. Don't, uh, don't get frustrated yet. It's just uh, 10 <laughs> games into the season, and uh, it's a long season. I don't know how many times. You know, that's a good thing about being in Biloxi. You know, these fans. Uh, they like to win, you know. They 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 have trouble sometimes realizing these guys are, are developing. So uh, I've, I've had to say, you know, it's a long season a few times in the last couple of days, and but it truly is. Traveling to uh, Chattanooga to open up a series uh, on Monday, Chris. Thanks so much for taking some time the the night before a travel day. That's not the easiest thing in the world. So appreciate you finding some time for me. Hey, Matt. Anytime. And we appreciate Chris Harris taking some time uh, with us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Let's go ahead and uh, take a look at what's coming up over the course of the week for the Brewers. Again, we record this on Sunday night, so we'll look ahead 
they do uh, finish up their three trip or three city trip starting on Monday for a three game series against the Cubs. They've already secured at least a plus 500 road trip. Now, if they can win a game or two against the Cubs, that would be pretty good. Uh, they are going to play against uh, Chicago 7:05 on Monday and Tuesday nights, and then they'll wrap up uh, on Wednesday with a 1:20 game. Should be noted with the uh, Bucks going through their playoff uh, process that uh, some Brewers games are going to be bumped over to uh, 94.5 KTI Country. For those of you that are uh, living in the state of Wisconsin and listen to the games on uh, 620 WTMJ, there are going to be some conflict games, and uh, while the Bucks make their postseason run, uh, the games will go over to uh, 94.5 KTI Country. Uh, the game on the 18th, Tuesday, is scheduled for uh, KTI, and I believe that first game of the St. Louis series at home on the 20th, which is Thursday, that game is scheduled to air on KTI as well. So if you're looking for the games, that's where they are at, and that's where you can find them. Do want to say thank you to my guest this evening. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, Jim Goulart from uh, BrewerFan.net. Always great to talk to him. He's a blast to talk to, and I always feel like our conversations uh, get cut short. And also Chris Harris, the uh, very talented broadcaster for the AA uh, Biloxi Shuckers. Appreciate him being uh, with us as well earlier on the program. And thank you to you for, uh, for being tuned in and sticking with us through the course of the entire program. We look forward to talking to you next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.